Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes it's a lot of just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. It takes that getting it wrong to like then set me on the path to being right. I mean, listen to the story of working on this one independent film for four to five years in grandma's basement. I think people need to understand to have some patience, but along the way to continue to grind. There's a limit to what you can do yourself. There's a point at which you need somebody else's help. For one thing, it may be a degree, but at some point, somebody else is going to be able to really smooth you out and and take you to the next level. (laughs) It's actually really helpful (laughs) when someone says like, look, I suck at what you want me to do, so don't ask me to do that. The imposter syndrome is real just dealing with being involved in the first season. I feel like Ringo Starr. I'm like, I'm just happy to be working. <laughs> happy to be on, on the show. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. It is TCU's day. That is Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Eastern. We are live on Discord with our patrons, our lurkers. We have a full house tonight because we are kicking off two straight weeks of Smiling Friends interviews. This is something that we had planned for a long time now. And as soon as Smiling Friends dropped, which it just did, (laughs) we're here. We're here for the Smiling Friends. And with me here, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah. And we do want to... We do want to uh, talk about upcoming guests and just say who they are because we've got, we want to let people know about the next month, don't we? We've got, uh, uh, let's see, three coming up after Psychic Pebbles and Michael Cusack, who are next week. Yeah, so we have- And um, who's after that? We Kevin? have Michael Cusack and and Zach uh, next week to to round off our, our two weeks extravagance of Smiling Friends. After that, we have Gabriel Brown. After him, we have I Did A Thing. And after that, we have- Alternate History Hub returning. We'll get it right this time. Uh, <laughs> and have our Valentine's Day date. Yes, our Valentine's Day date with history. Um, and, and many more guests on the bubble uh, after that. But that should hold you over for, uh, for a little bit. But we are here to talk Smiling Friends. That's right. And in the 1970s, uh, George Lucas wrote a really obscure space opera. 
Uh, but the music accompanying it, and especially its leitmotifs, added up to what the American Film Institute considers to be the greatest score of all time. There's a reason why nearly every human alive can hum the Imperial March, despite only a tiny portion of them caring whether Han shot first. John Williams took George Lucas's creative vision and set it to sounds that elevated the dialogue and the visuals. He did the same thing with Superman, Jaws, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. Uh, that's just a portion. And he defined musically a tradition that goes back to 776 BC with the theme for the Olympic Games. There's a trick to this thing. That's the point of John Williams, understanding both somebody else's visual art and humanity as a whole to such a degree that we actually hear the combination of the two things accurately. And our guest today is on his way to becoming the John Williams of irreverent adult surrealism. Brendan Colefield has collaborated with Michael Cusack on deranged animations and shows like Koala Man, YOLO Crystal Fantasy, Bush World Adventures, and the brand new, meteorically popular Smiling Friends. Brendan's music undergirds the adventures of Pim and Charlie across eight episodes, now available on Adult Swim and releasing in February on HBO Max. Think about how difficult that is to get right. We've talked to Michael and Psychic Pebbles. Those episodes reveal a combination of talent and troubled minds that will quite likely be played one day as evidence at a trial. How is it even possible to capture that accurately in music? Brendan's forced to operate somewhere on a spectrum between Salvador Dali and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's next Nest. So, Brendan, how do you set the scene of Mr. Boss breastfeeding <laughs> to um, music? Well, first of all, thank you for that intro. That's, um, I don't know, it seems fitting to compare me to John Williams. So, <laughs> uh, I just want to thank you for that. Um, yeah, in terms of the boss, um, it's interesting. There's actually more music to that scene that got cut. The whole scene kind of had like this underpinning drone and like when say the little creature bites on his nipple um you know that really is when it really sets off and then there was like creepy piano that plays in the background just this like really unsettling atmosphere but um yeah what was left in the pilot is like pretty much the tail end of that which is like the ascending scream out of uh out of the depths that like transitions to the next scene <laughs> well it seems like Smiling Friends kind of stretches. It must. I mean, maybe it doesn't. But to me, it seems like it must stretch uh, the the very uh, limits of your abilities as a musician because of the range of something being like horrifically creepy, like that scene. And then you have like the happiest thing ever in the next scene. And then you have an enchanted forest fantasy thing going on over here. It's like... Everything possible and and <laughs> imaginable happens on Smiling Friends, and somehow you have to do all of it. Like how how do you even begin to be able to hit all of those yeah, it's notes? A, it's so a very to speak. strange thing. Like it's I think with comedy, you kind of like end up doing pretty much everything. You have to be kind of a jack of all trades. Um, luckily, I'd um just come off of doing uh, Yolo Crystal Fantasy, which as well was very all over the place, and I think a bit more uh intricate in terms of like the composition the funny thing about smiling friends was that it was um a lot more restrained uh compositionally than uh than other things i've worked on so it was it was hard in that respect uh in terms of like um things didn't weren't meant to be too showy it wasn't meant to be um very uh yeah like musically rich or kind of had to like sit in this zone of like it's not just going to be 
you know, com- like nothing or like complete garbage, but it's also not going to be the Star Wars opening theme. It had to be somewhere kind of in the middle. And I think that was something that, um, <laughs> you know, uh, working on like the first couple episodes, particularly in Chain of Forests, I uh, ran into that roadblock. Um, but it was also something that, that uh, Cusack and Zach uh, were trying to figure out in terms of the, the show itself. So there were times where like they weren't 100% sure on like what things should be because they were trying to, fi- uh, trying to get the right feel or tone of the show themselves. So, yeah, it was a little bit of back and forth. But after, yeah, once I, it kind of like sunk in that it was like meant to be uh, something where it was obviously not too cool, like, I think the, the, the brief they said was they, don't, they didn't want it to like really stand out and be like, oh, wow, that was like, that was a really cool musical mo- like it just kind of like blends in with with and like uh, unless it's like for effect um you know like in some of the transition or the montage parts or bits where they're, they're not talking and um where you'd want the music to kind of just pop out a little bit so yeah well and where do you think that comes from because that's really fascinating to me that's something that i would never ever think of it is it more that they want essentially the the pacing of the jokes yeah. and the awkwardness basically that they create in the scenes to be the focus and the, the music Very would much be so. distracting um, from that. a good example when I was working on the pilot. Um, there's, yeah, I think that their biggest worry is like, for one, they don't want like, like music to be leading up to a joke is very campy. Um, and one example of that was I was doing the music for in the pilot when uh, Alan, when his mousetrap goes off and he runs over and he bends over and he like sees the the blood stain on the floor and he follows it to the wall, there's a little moment where he's like, I will get you. And it like, I've kind of like this thing where it was slowly building up. I've got the full version, like it's like, it's kind of ramping up and ramping up and it continues when he goes inside the wall and it like leads to this big crescendo where then it reveals the um, the, the guy in the wall on the computer. and. Um, I remember when I like first mm-hmm. sent that off. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like it's good, but like Michael's distinctly like the, the problem with the music is kind of like building up to like here comes the joke, and I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like once you spell it out, like it, it, oh. it yeah. Um, so to solve that, I literally just like cut the music at a really awkward point. So like it's <laughs> like it doesn't like it's like a <laughs> a musical rule where it's like you know you must resolve like a phrase or something because it's just some, I don't know, it was something like back in like music class where it was like something, this is just what you have to do. You can never leave something. But yeah, it was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just cut it like midway through and like literally just let it hang there. And um, yeah, I think that's a lot funnier. And because it like, it's kind of like the, the music's playing in a way, it's like in Alan's head where he's thinking like, I will get you. And it's like, he's thinking of it as like this, um, I don't know, like, He's about to do this like great deed, but um, but yeah, then it cuts to the reality of um, him like climbing through the wall and stuff. I don't know. I just I thought that came across really funnier when I just severed it. <laughs> <laughs> In a, the process for that sort of thing, you do a thing, you see how it matches up, and then you can just sort of yeah hear yeah, if much. it's a fit or um, not. Sometimes it's a lot of like just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um. Yeah, so sometimes I need to, like, I'll just go down a certain part. Like, I'll get the brief, um, 
basis like at this time code we want a big like a scary moment like a big stab or something and so i'll play around with it send it off and they'll either be like oh yeah it's good and then it's like okay well that i'll just leave that in or sometimes it's like no that's completely wrong (laughs) and it takes that like getting it wrong to like then set me on the path to being right and then ultimately what ends up in the show is yeah was built off of a failure (laughs) what do you get in terms of assets when you've got to do something like like uh come up with with some music for a scene what are you given um uh, to do the the first draft of that music so just that they're basically the rough storyboards um everything's set like all the dialogue is set out like it's timed like the length that it's probably going to be there's usually edits that happen a bit later like i for time or like you know some things make things a bit punchier they might take out a couple of frames here and there um but it's for the most part it's what it's like what the episode's going to be but it's basically the rough like black and white sketches uh nothing fully animated um but yeah that's pretty much all i need to work to so you're yeah you're not you're not seeing anything in motion then. So no roughs of, of animation to any degree. You're getting, yep. you're basically getting a comic book and, uh, you're tasked with, with coming yeah, up yeah, to the soundtrack much. or um, with the soundtrack for it. And so, yeah, it's, it's such a joy because I get to see like the very early version of the episode and then eventually I will, um, like get sent. If I'm still working on the episode, usually they'll send me updated versions where it'd be like half animated or it'll be like 95% animated. And that, but that's usually like I'm at the tail end or I'm mixing the music. And it's like always such a joy to like, cause I'm like so used to the animatic being the show. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Like, and, um, I guess to go into, I guess we're, we've all seen it now. Um, the like, for example, like working on Enchanted Forest, like I had no idea that, uh, MIP was going to be, uh, animated in that Rankin and Bass style. So I just, in my head, he was just going to be like one of the other, like the similar design to like Pim and uh, Charlie. And then seeing that, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like it, yeah, it was like, like I was blown away by it. <laughs> um, hold on. Is that not really hard to do? Like, you you don't, you didn't seem to mention that it was hard, but it seems <laughs> extremely hard <laughs> to do what you're doing. I, I, I don't know. It, like, it, it is, it is challenging. Um, like pretty much every new job is like, you're starting from, it, it's a bizarre thing. Cause I feel like I'm pretty confident and like comfortable in, um, doing this kind of work. But every time I start, it's like feeling like, yeah. I don't know. I, I I always think in like analogies and metaphors and shit like that. Like I always think it's like you're a chef, but instead of like you're working at a new restaurant where the menu set out, it's like basically every time a new job is like you're opening a new restaurant, but you're inventing a new menu at the same time. So it's like, okay, because every show has its own like kind of limitations and, you know, it's in a certain genre and things it wants to achieve. So you kind of just having to like figure it out as you go um so it is hard i find in that respect but um uh in terms of like just working to an anime i don't really have a problem with it because it's usually like you get a really good impression of what's happening on screen sometimes um i think like in the pilot there was sometimes where it was like there were some really rushed um boards um where it was like i think one example like the boss in the office at one point where it cuts away to him on his gaming laptop, I think was just like, 
like his head was just like a really quick circle, like like you'd done it in like two seconds, just to get like this very 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 basic impression of what the shot would look like. But um, yeah, for the most part, you're seeing like the you know Pim and Charlie in their like designs, and um, and Desmond was pretty much like fully designed at that point. Um, you could see it, see him like you see him in the pilot, but just in black and white. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's not that challenging. It's like um, using a bit of your imagination here and there. Um, and if I if there is a problem, like if I really don't know what's happening, I'll just kind of ask for clarification or something like that. Yeah. I think if you if I'm doing sound design yeah. though, like yeah. you need I don't know. full animation for that because obviously you <laughs> you you're doing like foley and stuff, um, and you you got to match it exactly to the picture. Mm. Um, you know, like the crazy grandma footsteps mm-hmm. <laughs> leading to Desmond's bedroom, and um, <laughs> <laughs> the the grandma like hyper speed filleting yeah, a lollipop. <laughs> yeah, you. No, how did you I make? Only, did you make that did sound? Sound design on the pilot. How did you make that sound. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tom, Tom video just who, who just did? put a gif of it in the, in the episode chat. Yeah, that was um. <laughs> oh man, that's that's what we who we need to have in a few weeks is we need to find out who made that sound and then talk to them about that sound and only <laughs> well, that sound for at least uh, uh, yeah, exactly. mates with the, the sound designer. <laughs> so if you want to do a part three to the smiling to a smiling friends trilogy. <laughs> yeah i mean part three is literally just the grandma and the lollipop that's it there's nothing else um i i would love to to back way up for a second and just get a better and clearer understanding of how you got into this did you go to school for music have you known michael cusack <laughs> since you were yeah. four years old in uh, kindergarten I, like I, what ha- yeah what what's going on I here met how did cusack you end up doing in, this um, late high school <clears throat> i um he I moved to the high school that he goes to in like year eleven, which in Australia I I don't know exactly what the translation of that is in um for U.S. schools, but um it's basically the year before your final year. <clears throat> so um yeah, I I moved to this because it was a performing arts high, and I started music as a drummer. I used to play drums, and I was like into heavy metal. And um, that was pretty much exclusively exclusively what I listened to and what I wanted to be. Um, moved to this high school, met a bunch of guys. I met um, <clears throat> so I met Cusack. I met Todor, who's another um, who's involved in a lot of this. He Todor actually wrote the uh, the picking up twigs song in the Halloween episode. Oh, that was going to be one of my questions. I literally have that written no. down. It's, it's, <laughs> did you write the picking up twigs song from the oh, well, Halloween there, episode? There you go. Um, <laughs> oh, there you go. Mystery yeah, solved. so we we all met. Well, he'd known Todd a bit longer, but I met them then, and um, yeah, soon learned that we had similar interests. Um, uh, made a couple of bands together. Uh, like a, we had a doom metal band called Athalas. Um, met, had another. Cusack and I had a project, a black metal one called Virgin Meat, um, which I think on, there's a video clip of that on his YouTube channel. <laughs> I think it should still be up there. <laughs> uh, what else? And yeah, for, uh, pretty much around that at, at that point, uh, Cusack was looking at getting into like film and um, wrote his first feature film around that time, and um, was like seriously looking at like starting to to make that. And so I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool." I'd, I'd love to do like music 
for that. <laughs> had no no previous experience, but um, around that time, I had a revelation where I was getting into like uh, progressive rock and prog metal and all that kind of stuff, and it kind of like blew my mind in terms of like what you could do musically. So like like I think the Mars Volta was probably one of my first bands that I listened to, where I was like, whoa, like you can do so much with music. Like it can be like sound design and do all this like tell these like interesting stories and crap like and so like my biggest ambition at that time was to be like pretty much a, a solo artist and it was um listening to bands like porcupine tree and um like stephen wilson where it kind of like oh at that time i was like oh wait you can actually like make it yourself you can actually produce really cool stuff in your bedroom and it's like <laughs> you can make it sound half decent um so at that point I fell in love with the idea of like, oh, I can just make my own stuff and like went from like plugging in like a, a guitar pedal directly into the line in input in the sound card in the computer um, through Sony Vegas making like just weird ambient stuff. Um, but yeah, that was at the same time where Cusack was making his movie and um, I was like, I'll do the music for that. And yeah, we, we ended up making this thing. It was spent about uh, – from about 2010 to 2015 or so, like a, bit, a good four or five years of our time just like working on this thing uh did the post-production of that largely at like my grandparents basement <laughs> essentially we like moved in there and we're like <laughs> yeah and that was how i got pretty much got into doing scoring um doing a doing an, in, an indie film um and be, and from that point uh cusack wanted a break from working on it and he was because he was always kind of good at drawing like he uh wanted to do animation and and i was like oh well well <laughs> i'm hanging out with you 24 7 so and we're doing music i'll do the music for that too <laughs> and um so i basically <laughs> just been riding cusack's coattails until now <laughs> and it's just blossomed like we did the gabe newell one was the first cartoon and then we did yolo like did music and sound design on that and that really took off um and yeah and then he just he started getting jobs like small jobs um on tv like little two minute bits and i was just the guy i was like okay well i'll do the music <laughs> and um and then eventually it's like oh got the mm -hmm. the bush world pilot and um yeah did that and then yeah <laughs> so it's just like gradually blossomed and now yeah, um, did YOLO uh, last year or so, and um, and here I am today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that um, a lot of stories are like that, and if there are people out there, you know, listening and wondering how do I get into X Y Z, whatever it is you're trying to get into. I mean, listen to the story of working on this one independent film for four to five yeah. years in grandma's basement. I mean, that's kind of how a lot of this stuff goes. And then, you know, six years later, after that, you're doing the score <laughs> to Smiling Friends. So, you know, things I think people need to understand to have some patience, but along the way to continue to grind and and make things and you know, be a, you know, you say you wrote his coattails. I would say you created the <laughs> yeah, soundtrack well, for his well, coattails. We, <laughs> the way yeah, they whistle well, in the wind. We each other greatly in that respect because he was, he had the eye for visuals, which, you know, I don't. Um, and I kind of had an eye, like an ear for sound. So, um, 
Yeah. So we literally, like, he was editing the movie in behind me, and I was like doing sound design and music, and um, yeah, and we kind of he'd help with some of those things. We recorded a lot of folly together. I was living with my dad at one point, and we're renting a house, and we actually like built a little like illegal studio in a, in the garage at the back basically i like, built these two walls and propped them up in the corner of a garage so we're going to have like a separate space so we could um have the actors come back and redo all their dialogue um but yeah it was we had no we didn't go to i think cusack went to like tafe which is in australia is like the equivalent of like a trade school um for to do like a, a film thing but i think it was very he really didn't like it <laughs> Um, and I, I did a similar one for a short time at, at the same place for like a music thing. And I think I did like three weeks. And I was like, this is just miserable. And I just left. Um, well, let's just stop showing up later. Did, uh, <laughs> only a few years ago, actually, I did a, 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 like a college equivalent of one and actually saw that one through, but that was more the, the sound engineering side of it. So more about like recording and mixing and all that kind of crap didn't. Which you do really need help with. Yeah, it's like hard to can. learn that stuff by yourself, from what I understand. I had I had a roommate in college that that um, majored in that, so I hung around him, you know, in those studios a lot. And it is, and, it was complicated. And it can be daunting, like if, you, <laughs> if you're trying equipment. to learn from scratch. And so it's, and it's yeah. easy to to suck at it. Like it's easy to do it badly. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of hard it's, to do it it's well. Good. This one thing, like that, that is good in with the 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 college or uni um in particularly in like sound design it's 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 basically you're learning a trade but um the 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 degree i did they added a uh like a written component to it which then made it an actual bachelor's degree which i'm kind of like you don't need it like it, it'd be easier if it was just the exact same learning because it's literally just like learning like how to use compressors properly and like using consoles and like and just like studio etiquette like you know you're having a band coming in to record and like, you know, make sure you have shit ready to go before you start and things that like seem obvious, but like in practice, like it's better to like, like it's very useful to have like an environment where it's like basically like a safe place to like to practice and suck for a bit. And like, you're not holding up someone's time or you're not mm -hmm. spending thousands hiring a studio and you don't know what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I, I'll vouch for it in that. And like, it taught me like, doing like um doing the indie film like i was learning everything like on the fly um which you can kind of you can get a decent way with that but again you can pick up bad practices and um you know and never quite understand i'm like oh, you know I, I know the idea of like i need to compress the dialogue but what does that actually mean and how do the how do they work really so it's like when you get you have someone that like mm -hmm. people that have been doing it for like thirty odd years and they tell you like oh this is how you can do it and here's a trick you can use it's like it's basically like teaching you how to use like power tools or something like here's the correct way to use it and you're like oh okay well now that I know the <laughs> well I was gonna I was gonna say it it's almost like being like, well you say yeah. it's trade school it's almost like being a plumber or like a welder or yeah. something like that like you need it, to it's like you're, you're just right. learning right. equipment and tools and effective ways to use them. And then you learn like, like, okay. And once you know how to use them, like in a correct way, then you can, then from there you can be like, oh, well now I know how to use it in a weird effed up way, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> so 
I assume... I want to... Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Uh, I, I, want, I want to jump back a little bit to reinforce kind of an overarching theme because we've talked lately, uh, last few weeks, we've, we've talked a bit in general terms. It's like, you know, we're 120 some episodes in. What have we... What have we really gotten out of this? And if we took all the interviews that we've done, I don't know how many people it is at this point. Let's say 75. Let's say we've talked to 75 different people. If we dumped all of their origin stories into a pot, like simmered it for a while and then poured it into one bowl, it would pretty much come out to be, do you want to spend five years in your grandma's basement making one thing for no money? Yeah, <laughs> that's it, it really is like the perfect arithmetic mean of everything we've ever talked about. Um, but a point that that got lost a little bit after that was uh, you you talking about the way you comp, uh, complimented Michael. And how many times, Kevin, have we talked about that? Because uh, it, it's really what you and I do being completely different, uh, but doing things that the the other one uh you know, doesn't do as well, uh, whatever. I mean, it just, it fits well. And we need everybody to understand how okay that is, how awesome it is. Uh, rather than most of the people I talk to are like, yeah, I want to, I want to make videos and I want to do all the editing and I want to do, you know, every little bit of it. Like, no, yeah. no, no, no. Find people who fit really well with what you do. And you telling that story, just yeah. <laughs> look what it's led to for both of you. Um, it's it's really something that would be hard uh, to plan. And the last little bit, as we were just talking about it, is is that blend of uh, structured, kind of structured training and, and education, whatever, uh, versus just DIYing everything you can. And there's there's a limit to what you can do uh, yourself. That's a theme that we've we've talked about so many times over the last three years is there's a point at which you need somebody else's help. And for one thing, it may be a degree for something else. It may be hanging around an old dude who can tell you about his, you know, 35 years, uh, grinding away. Uh, but at some point somebody else is going to be able to, uh, to really smooth yeah, you out and, yeah, and take you to the next level. <laughs> It's very true. Yeah. Like it's, you can have the inverse problem as well, where you just go to like trade school or like, you know, go into these creative degrees saying, I want to be a creative guy. But like you didn't have that, that initial like gut craving to just want to like make something. Um, so you kind of need, I feel like you need both. Um, 
you know, you want that that drive and that desire initially in the beginning because it's like it really <laughs> doing like working on the movie like it really sucked for the like like ninety percent of it and like like Kuzo could agree with me like a lot of it was like well just a lot of late nights I was working a um uh you know a shitty bar job um like I'd work um on the movie <clears throat> for hours and then my shift would come up so then I'd dry I'd go pour beers on a Friday night for like um for a bunch of assholes <laughs> like come back at like midnight 1 a.m and then like continue working <laughs> on the movie like just because we like wanted to we were still like had that drive but like the actual you know the physical um like the i guess the labor of it was like hard and it yeah and it sucked because we'd run into problems and be like man why is the dialogue like recording this thing it just it sounds like ass and i, I don't know how to fix it <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, or like trying to figure out how to use to mix in surround sound when you don't have like the new like the like four thousand dollar version of Pro Tools and yeah, that was a <laughs> weird thing to do. And like where in hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, it's like just get the the good version of Pro Tools where you can mix in five one instead of like doing all this weird routing and stuff to make it come out of the backs. But yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's you you, you do kind of need that drive that like it's like being bitten by the bug where you just like you can just see the you know the end like just knowing like oh but like you know then we would made a movie like just like i guess the prestige off of that well that that's one thing that we we have kind of characterized as be obsessed with something and it's it's something that you can't yeah uh you can't make yeah. somebody be obsessed with something like nobody made you be obsessed with no. spending four and a half years making this movie movie you just were and i also want to say real quick that something that is really important that you said and that matt you were following up on is that not a lot of people admit to themselves like hey i'm not really great on the visual stuff so i but but i do seem to have a knack for audio so i'll stay there and i'll play in that arena not a lot of people will just come out and say that like matt has come out and said to me you know over the years when it comes to different visual things like okay, I'm going to check out of this conversation because visual stuff is not my thing. Yeah. And do you know what? That's really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really helpful <laughs> when someone says like, look, yeah. I'm going to stop pretending that I know what's what's good here because this is not my strength. Yeah. So go away and stop talking to me about this and talk talk <laughs> talk to somebody who is good at this about this because this is, it will be more productive. I don't think that a lot of people, and maybe this comes with experience and age, but I don't think a lot of people are willing or recognize in themselves the weaknesses that they have and are able to actually have kind of the strength to admit to another person that like, look, I suck yeah. at what you want me to do. So don't ask me to do that. Uh, but I'm like more than qualified to do this other thing that guess what? you kind of suck at so let's fill in those gaps for each other which is literally the yeah. point of working with someone <laughs> that's the entire point of working together with anyone that's what i mean i think a lot of this comes to for me uh sports analogies but i know that like mm. i i'm a little bit of an outlier in how much i like sports with a lot of people <laughs> who are like internet-y people 
but I, I, I promise you, you can get some lessons if you just watch some <laughs> something. I don't know, find any sport, uh, any team sport. You know, this isn't going to really work all that well with like golf or tennis. But there's a reason why in baseball, the pitcher just pitches and the first yeah. baseman <laughs> just plays first base and the center fielder <laughs> right. stays out there. Like they're really good at those things. Right. Like a wide receiver yeah. is not going to play all those parts linebacker come together to make ever. a really good team. Uh, they're, not in the- they're all good at their like kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause Tom Brady would suck as yeah. a safety. <clears throat> like he would not be good at that or like a defensive lineman, yeah. but guess what? He's the greatest I, quarterback of all time. So, on- how um, him should be designed like i it would be fucking terrible so yeah <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't go over so well <laughs> yeah exactly um go, go getting back to smiling friends did you have you done any voices um, i i'm pretty sure uh, no, I, I didn't saw do some credits no i've are, i've done do you sneak in, in there I've done a no, couple no? Of cameos. okay um the, not um i i mean i oh, okay. visually i did the the cameo at the end of the episode four like i died in 2001 <laughs> so that i that that's my a visual cameo <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that was you uh wait who was the other uh and and mike was there too wasn't he stalk us from uh Red no, no, Letter no, Media. i mean Did, the uh, didn't the, he show um, up as one of those flashes the in memoriam cards like at the the very end of the credits uh, oh no 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 that was oh, um, oh, oh. That was, i was thinking uh, of that Rolf that montage of one. flashes Oh, <laughs> I tried to pause it so many times to yeah, figure out I, who the second I, I person no was. I had no idea either. Like, it was James I, Ralph. That's so like funny. I was working on it and, um, yeah, got to like when the final, I, like I asked, the, can I have the final version so I can watch it? <laughs> um, cause I had like the, I think the one I had was like, it was like 70% animated and like the Satan wasn't fully lit up or like wasn't colored properly. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I had no idea he was in there either. And then I like was looking at the credits. I was like, "Wait, James Rolfe? Like, where was he?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to go back again since you were, you know, talking about uh, your 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 old studio. I I imagine you're no longer working behind no. fake walls built in a, a, a garage somewhere. What's your setup setup like now? What sort of um, equipment it's basically software a dedicated are you using? What does that look house? like? Um, but it's, um, set up with some acoustic panels and just like pretty much a PC, few keyboards around me, guitars, um, got like an audio interface. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at, um, where the, pl- I've got, cause we haven't got a garage at this place where I'm in the process of getting a draftsman drawing up plans to build a garage. But on top of that, I want to build a dedicated space <clears throat> purpose built for, for my, like a studio. That way it's separate from the house and just like bigger, bigger. Like, I, you, and that, that's another thing about um, today, like these days, um, like working on this stuff, like you, you really can do like awesome things from your, essentially your bedroom, um, <clears throat> which is like, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it would have been, yeah, even like 10 years ago, it would have been kind of like, you know, sneered at like, oh yeah, like, you need like there was still kind of that old like probably like 80s and 90s that kind of mindset of like if you want to do anything professional you know you got to go to a studio and you got to <clears throat> like have your own space and you know have a big large format console and but um 
yeah, like you can you can do so much nowadays digitally. Like it's insane. Like with um, plugins and even like hardware and stuff is, and, and also like if you understand like I think the other trap, particularly like audio people, um, like starting out is like kind of thinking like I need the best gear in order to do the best work. Otherwise, my stuff's but like you can do like so much with very little like even with gear um like microphones and you know you can you can uh, an sm57 can go a very long way (laughs) um and yeah so that's Mm -hmm. i'm pretty much just in my in a what would be a room bedroom in my house we put a little vocal booth in here um but i rarely use that like because pretty much what i do is all virtual besides the odd guitar every now and then but yeah Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't write Picking Up Twigs. I have two other songs I wanted to know about. One is Charlie the Hero from the Enchanted Forest episode, uh, and the other yes. is you the mean theme the song opening, itself. Like the five second. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to recreate that. It's crazy. Charlie the Hero was actually the very first thing I worked on for this, like after the pilot. Yeah. That was the first song I worked on. Um, for this season <clears throat> what about what about that <laughs> intro because it's completely bonkers what was the development um, for that like where did that come from how did you make it i guess the the, the, the there was actually an earlier version of the theme song the, actually the very first thing i worked on on smiling friends it's probably like late 2018 i think it was michael was over in um was in la at the time i think they like were just writing the pilot and he messaged me saying like he wanted a theme song that went about thirty seconds, and it was going to be in the style of um basically like the Animaniacs opening theme, where it's like like this big bombastic kind of car- very cartoony orchestral, uh, very quick kind of thing. And it had it was going to have lyrics. Um, he's like like basically mimed what he roughly like uh, envisioned as like the vocals, and I like built something around that. Um, that obviously got scrapped. Um, and again, I think that just goes back to like how <clears throat> Michael and Zach have just like gone back and forth so much and trying to work out exactly what what the heck this show is is meant to be like internally and uh, yeah, like they just every little detail they've stressed over. But um, yeah, and then I think it was more towards the end of the working on the pilot, I did that that five second opening title. Um, <sighs> I remember exactly what the brief was but i've i do have the progression of how it became more chaotic um like just the first version is like just a simple layer of like like just a bump 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 and um yeah then i think zach was like can you make it a bit more bit more psychotic <laughs> and um so i was like okay i um so then i, I know, just had this <laughs> working on in our with our project super smiles um uh has been very helpful for this kind of stuff because we have like albums and albums of shit that like we've never released but it's like just like absolute garbage that we've like had a ball making like just jamming on all these like some things will be live spontaneous jams other ones are like full recordings and um and uh yeah like just coming up with these like really silly like psycho stuff um yeah it's just kind of just been embedded in my dna from doing all this super smiles crap for 10 years so and that doing some of that stuff can come a bit naturally um how was i at yeah so then like added like the weird layers like i think that but the 
the version before the the final one that you hear now, um, it went even crazier at the end. It kind of went like and then just like and like just like a crazy drum fill and like um I think I just like completely like mashed the keyboard and just like <laughs> put as many notes as I could within like four seconds. Um but I think that one was a little too crazy and then Zach was like, maybe make it loop, but then on the last bar, just make it like fall apart. So I just made it loop and then pretty much just took all the MIDI notes that I had recorded and then just like, I think just went to like a, the MIDI function and just hit like randomize. So then it like, and now it sounds like, I don't know, it kind of sounds like a fucking metal pole has been hit or something. Um, yeah. And then that's, that's it. <laughs> so then they're like, cool, like this works. And then that's, yeah, now become the the very first thing that you're assaulted with when you watch the show. <laughs> yeah, which really sets the tone for what you're about to see as far as I'm concerned because, yeah, make it more psychotic. What a great note. It is very psychotic. It, when, you, when you listen to it, you feel like you're, you're about to be bombarded by a crazy person, like a crazy person just yeah. dropped well, that, everything yeah, they yeah, own yeah. down the stairs. Yeah. It's one That's of those instances how it feels where, like, like to me. <laughs> I can know? vaguely remember making it, but now that it's like Smiling Friends has become this thing, it's like I feel detached. Like it was just like a thing that I like an artifact that I uncovered. Like I, I didn't have anything to do with it. I just kind of it was just yeah, <laughs> like a discovery or something. <laughs> um, well, we have so many questions, but I wanted to get to two of my questions before we turn it over to our patrons. Uh they're very simple. First, what's your favorite episode of season one? And huh. what do you want to see in season two? Um, my favorite? Probably, I don't know. I, I really like, I guess, in terms of my involvement, probably the Shrimp's Odyssey, just because I really love the, how the getting to work with Jason Page on that, um, on that cover song. Um, um, I don't know. I mm. probably, I really like the feel of Enchanted Forest. So that's probably my favorite. Yeah, I think. Oh no, actually mm-hmm. no. Probably Frowning Friends is my favorite. Yeah, I know. I just re- I really like how oh, that episode, really? um, like structurally, like the writing of that one. I really like how that one flows. And um, and yeah, and I think and I really and again like with my involvement, I, I probably one of my favorite pieces is the his uh, speech um, towards the end. I really like how that came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about season two? What are you What are you looking oh, forward God. to? What What should um, happen in your I mind? I know that <laughs> a little bit of insider knowledge. I know that they've got a lot of law built up. Um, back when I was like just starting to work on the pilot, um, I remember like things where <laughs> basically, yeah, they've just they had. I remember hearing like about Mister Frog and like like Mister Frog the character and like pretty much how he acts and stuff back in like early 2019 when they were still working on the pilot and I was just like, oh my, like, like I just feel like this show could just go anywhere. So it's really hard to pinpoint. And like just the amount of like law that is and world building that is in every like fucking detail of that show is really insane. Um, like an example of that is um, when I was like, when I was working on the pilot, there's that little bit in Dave Land where um, – when Pim goes, oh, you can meet and you can meet Dave himself, and then it cuts to that shot where Desmond's like, "Who's Dave?" Um, 
and when Pim's saying, it's Dave from Dave Land, there's a tiny little green critter that just like flies past the screen. I remember like, I think like I was talking to like Zach and Kizak and I was like, oh, that shit like absolutely cracked me up just seeing that little fucking thing. And I like put little footsteps to it and stuff. And, um, yeah. And then Zach and that like just went on this like <laughs> law explanation just on that little critter. Like basically like, um, yeah, they're saying like, <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's running from an unknown danger. <laughs> and, um, his visual sense, apparently like it's, <laughs> he can only see like a worm. Like it's only like light and dark and he's been running for hours and he, he doesn't know exactly what he's running from, but he knows that something <laughs> is following him and he's just in fear for his life. And he just happened to be running through Dave land right at that moment. <laughs> so like, I know, so there's like, there's so much potential for any, like, I don't know. They just have like a knack for just out of nowhere, out of the ether, even like in the, like when we're not even really talking about smiling friends, like they could just go into a character and just like yeah it's like insane their ability to do that like just create these so i honestly have no idea where i think it can go um there i know i i do know uh seeing like some of the early like pitch bibles there are a couple of episode ideas that obviously they didn't make um so i reckon they'll probably do those i'm not going to reveal them obvious for obvious reasons. it's not my place to to say what they are but um so hopefully i see those um and i don't know what about musically is there like a genre that you would love for them to parody and you could do or you, do you want to hit uh, some sort of uh you know i don't know alan start alan starts I'll, a black metal band and you get to do a black metal song <laughs> is there um, anything yeah, like I you mean, that, personally that, that are ambitious about doing some some black metal stuff i mean on it like i'd i'd just be honored to be involved in it <laughs> like I the imposter syndrome is real just dealing with being involved in the first season. So um I think any whatever they want to tell me to do, whether it's like just doing Euro dance music the whole season, like I'd do that. <laughs> like um yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> they they wanted to do more more stuff like um cool montage songs. They're kind of like where I guess the most fun because it's like you, they're not constrained by trying to fit something to a visual like in terms of like the scoring but um mm -hmm. yeah I, I literally i feel i feel like ringo star i'm like i'm just happy to be working <laughs> i'm just happily happy to be on on the show <laughs> <laughs> well there you, well, you are yeah. a drummer so i mean that's an apt comparison uh well we have a million questions that's from our on. patrons so let's let's uh let's transition to those if you will matt we have a lot of them. We're going to start with uh, Dan the Latch asking, when is DJ oh Spit um, dropping yeah, his I, EP? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, can't really pinpoint anything coherent from that guy. So <laughs> trying to get a hold of him is, um, yeah, you just have to usually go driving <laughs> the streets because he doesn't answer his phone. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess the thing to drive point around out, I think that was, a, that was a Cusack um, and – Zach, uh, thing with the, his music, which was Spitz Paradise, I think it's called. I think that was something they just threw together in like a minute. Well, I guess. Uh, do you a think full any? Album do you think people will be able to handle that though? Isn't like isn't a full forthcoming album? then? Is it? Well, <laughs> 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 Kevin, didn't we come across that thing? There's an organ playing a song that takes like 550 years to play. Oh, that's right. They change notes. 
like every seven years or something, something they like play that. a new note. It, if that can exist in the world, I feel like an EP <laughs> here can exist. I agree. Um, Gusau asks about, uh, in the very beginning, we talked about the process of you getting some very basic assets, uh, doing some, doing some work, putting a thing together, sending that off, uh, and what the process was like as it turned into animation, you know, the fine tuning Gusau's question is about, is there an example of a lot of effort being put forth in that process just to uh, have, yeah, that can just to have it get um, axed? It's just kind of the reality of like working like i it's not my show at the end of the day like i am contracted to provide something for them um so sometimes and it's again it's a hard thing to like you can't really prepare for it um sometimes even like they i can get instructions um like we sit on a call we go through an episode pause it okay at this point i want this to happen and um I think Enchanted Forest, it happened a little bit. It was also a little bit me going a bit too elaborate with some of the compositions. But, um, yeah, sometimes things just like um, like I, I wrote something for an example. Like I wrote when Mip first appears, initially I wrote this big fanfare where he's, when he's like back and he like shoes the witch away. Um, at first it was like this is a bit too big and like over the top. So can you tone it back to literally just have like one instrument? Well, so I was like, okay. And I redid it with just like horns. And I just did like a more subtle kind of thing, um, which that got the thumbs up. And then in the final episode, it got scrapped and it's just a, like a little sound effect basically. And, um, you know, ultimately like, <clears throat> um, things like that i'm like okay like i can see like it makes sense you know like it's um it works without it um other like there are times where like because it's being in the creative industry like when you when you're making something like music you are kind of putting your heart into and soul into some of the pieces yeah there are times where i put something like i made something for yolo where i was like this is like my best thing ever like I wrote something. I didn't have to think of it. Like it, it wasn't a struggle. It sounds really good. It was. I believe it was produced really well. And like compositionally, it was just like I was like, oh wow, I really nailed this. And it like got completely scrapped. And I was like, super gutted. But at the end of the day, I'm like, it's it's not my show. Like it's I'm hired to do a job. So yeah. <laughs> can you use Can you use those things in the future? Do do situations come up where you're like, yeah, I've got this uh, in the in the bag that I can pull that's, out from, you know, it didn't work three years so. ago, but now it's a I don't good know fit. Is that possible like with these I'm, sorts of things? Like I might, anything I make that it even gets scrapped. I, 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 I don't know about that. I think, I kind of oh. think if, if, say, if I write a motif and it never gets used, okay. um, I guess I, I, I just assume I'm like, oh, all right, well, I'll just put that in my pocket and maybe one day it'll come back later. Uh, like I could use it for something else, and I've I've never really been in that situation yet where I've like thought, oh, that thing that I did on the, the last project. I've had times where I've like where it's like pulling things from before I was working in um, in animation and scoring and you know being a composer, like stuff I've written from before then where I've done that, but I had not specifically when it's like for a show and it's gotten scrapped. Uh, yeah, I haven't tried that yet. Oh, let's see. We've got uh, we've got one from Tom Videoger, who is uh, it's so nice to have Tom back. Quick with the links. Um, it's it's been a few weeks, and 
He's still doing the Real Weird Sickos podcast with Dojangles and Charles Kahn. Uh, we pop the links in quite a few times on it. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, they've talked to some of the same people we have, but uh, let's just say they, they talk to them a little bit differently. So it's totally <laughs> worth a listen. Check them out. <laughs> Check them out. Um, yeah. And compare the episodes. Oh, so as a fellow Bogan raised it in Shepperton, how did it feel bringing the Bogan um, to the big stage I don't know. It's, with the it, Yanks? It's bizarre because, um, yeah, I'm still living in my hometown. Like, I haven't moved to LA. I don't <laughs> I've, I haven't even thought about moving to Melbourne, which is like the Australian equivalent of like of LA, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just, it, it is bizarre, but um, when I'm working on stuff, I just get hyper focused on that. And I, yeah, it's only until afterwards and I kind of reflect on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> I think it's cool that you're able to. Can, I'm able to do that. Is it is it uh, is it hard to to communicate some of the nuance on uh, like uh, on the humor? You take something like Bush World Adventures uh, or uh, Yolo, Yolo Crystal Fantasy, uh, something that yeah. that has uh, been broadcast elsewhere. It, yeah, yeah, you know, and. 99% of it uh, translates just fine. What do you do about that 1% and is there any effect there that uh, that creeps in um, to I, I guess this is more of an in joke for for me and for us. Um Bushworld specifically, in uh, the opening theme, there's so much like Australiana actually embedded in that um that remake of the Rick and Morty theme that I don't think anyone uh, I think even some people in Australia probably wouldn't even get um and and it's also kind of like baked into like the textures, like right at the the very opening, I put in like so many weird Austra- Australianism sounds. Um, also, I thought was the funniest thing ever was I made um, a synth out of um, out of a native bird that you hear that's very iconically Australian. It's like the uh, our ravens; <laughs> they have this very distinct. Um, call that's like really annoying <laughs> and i've just always found it i've always found it funny um <laughs> it's called it's, it's just wait, called wait, an australian what is this raven. annoying australian um, bird called sorry they mistakenly called oh, no, 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 it's actually it's a raven i thought you were just it, describing it, it like that is, <laughs> that's literally um, what it's like, called okay makes it, it's like ah <laughs> ah ah and you hear them everywhere like especially along the east coast um if i feel like aussies like we just it's like part of our like background noise that like you don't think about but then when it's like put in a show i just thought it was the funniest thing ever like um yeah so it's in the rick and the the, the bush world theme and there's a all a bunch of other things like i did the ball of the century that shane warne did um uh rugby league try whistle um <laughs> some weird things like Chappelle corby's mum on the news saying we will bring you home <laughs> um <laughs> What else was there? I just was like trying to think of like <laughs> weird things to just bake into this like Aussie cake. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no, I that but that was like for my own kind of fun, I suppose. <laughs> I, did, I didn't. I don't think it intended to translate at all. Like, no, no, no uh, squelching no, no. from a kangaroo's <laughs> pouch. Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. the desperate squeal from inside a possum 
Uh, too bad. <laughs> Next time. I love Bushworld, by the way. And if, if anybody hasn't seen Bushworld, please do yourself a favor because you're doing yourself a disservice currently for not, not having spent whatever, 11 minutes of your yeah. life watching Bushworld <laughs> yeah, Avengers. Is so good. Well, we've got some music questions that come from Baseweight. Uh, Baseweight is really the Create Unknown Discord resident music guy. Uh, he made uh, the theme that we use at the intro of every episode, and he is shockingly talented. He's got, uh, we've got his links in the description. Uh, he's got a few music questions cool. that, that we're going to have fall like dominoes here, because uh, they're all kind of, kind of related. Um, but we'll start with... What's the biggest difference moving from songwriting in the traditional um, sense? The to biggest difference scoring? is writing, scoring for video or for like TV, film, is it's basically you're adding another dimension. Um, when you write it, like, because I've written songs um, like for like bands and my own solo projects and crap like that. And you, when it's for yourself, you're pretty much in a vacuum and you're just like, okay, I can, you know, whatever genre I'm in, you're pretty much limitless in what you can do. But scoring, you're, you're a contractor. So f for one, you're constrained by what the directors and stuff want you to do. So specific, like, you know, they, they might tell you to do a certain genre that I, is not my wheelhouse, but I'll do it anyway. So there's that, like you're constrained by following basically a guide or a, um, a brief. But then it's also like, like, okay, I'm writing music, but it's also got to fit visually. So I'm like, I can't kind of come up with like a, right. Oh, here's a, like just bashing on the piano. Like, oh, here's a good chord melody structure. But then it's like, okay, now I've got to sit and watch the, the animatic or whatever I've got. And basically, okay, where do I, okay, start it here. Okay. Maybe. And then like try and mime it out to make sure that it actually fits visually too. So like, you know, you want, if I want to do like a, the chord changes on the, when the video cuts to another, like, or when the shot cuts to another shot. Um, yeah, that has to be figured out, like, um, yeah, make, like, logistically. Um, yeah, so I have to, like, literally, like, sit there and, like, actually figure out the, the, the timing and everything, too. So, like, that added dimension really kind of is very hard at first to get used to, but, I don't know, after, it's just something eventually you just kind of get used to it you start thinking more in that terms as well. So it becomes secondary, You're like, like just watching it, watching the episode back and being like, okay, yeah. Um, I could see like, I I'll do like something here and then it changes at this point and when it cuts and yeah, it just something that eventually becomes second nature, but you know, kind of like, like any new skill you kind of pick up, it's like, you just having to develop a new muscle. Well, when you're doing all of this, what is, if you have one, what is your favorite instrument um, and uh, effects plugin? Favorite plug instrument, probably right now, be the probably like cello, a cello section. They're just so damn expressive. Like, I mean, every <clears throat> every orchestral, oh no kidding, instrument is can be very expressive in its own right. But I just find, on a, listening to like some you know classical music or like soundtracks that are you know orchestral based, just whenever there's like a good cello kind of solo or uh thing by itself i just really love it um favorite effect um i like the yeah is there anything that you you really like applying that that helps you get 
Um, it, it puts your signature on a thing. It's <laughs> it's a funny thing because like when I'm like doing effects and like mixing and stuff, it's literally like just a mil- like a sequence of a million A B tests where it's like, does this make it better? Yes. Okay, keep going. And it's like I don't really have a plan and when things are gonna get done. So it's literally just like throwing everything at it and I'm like, oh. I I guess I really like using um isotope ozone for mastering. Like it, it you really can polish turds with that thing. Um I I really like um <laughs> so I've got like subscribed to a few different um you know, everything now is like a subscription model. Um got some plug-in subscriptions like uh the slate digital thing. I got that get a bit more geeky now in terms of the, the gear side of things. I got it specifically because it they have a uh, EL8 distressor plug-in, which is like a really cool um, compressor uh, modeled off a real thing that I really like using. I like the SSL um, bus compressor plug-in. There's plug-in versions that mimic the, uh, I don't know what model console it is, but that I really love using on like drums and percussion-y stuff. It's a good good way to glue things together. Um, got some eventide reverbs that are really nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's a range and it just yeah. it sounds like it I just think really Having some really good on, reverbs on for doing orchestral stuff to make it sound convincing. Um, I, I don't know. I tend, I've picked up a tip on a YouTube video of using, using two different kinds of reverbs and blending them together. I've kind of stolen that as a signature now, I think. <laughs> but it's like something that you'd never – Sorry. Well, this one is. A, oh, I was just saying, it's just, it's a subtle thing though that pretty oh, much no, no, go know, on. like other like sound people might be like, oh, that that sounds really cool, but it's yeah, I don't, <laughs> it's not. Um, yeah, I, I I really like my um some of the sample libraries I have are really good. Um, Those- the Cinematic Studio series um, for all my I really love the strings and brass of those. The strings have a really good legato thing, so. Um, that that's my go-to for orchestral stuff. Um, yeah. Well, you've talked about having to switch, really switch gears so many times in something like the making of uh, one episode. There, there's just going to be so many different spots that you have to fill. And the question here is about your biggest help with creating moods with music. What has what has been most mm. useful with getting to the right mood? So it's it's a very hard question to answer because um, it really depends on um like I guess if, yeah depending on what kind of mood you want to set um I really like doing unsettling moods like the Halloween episode was besides doing the Charlie the Hero song um the Halloween was actually the first episode I worked on and that was like the most labor intensive um I like like to make a good spooky mood I like so how do you get in a mindset. Yeah, how do you get, how do you get in a mindset that that allows you to oh. really nail an unsettling <laughs> mood? Like, what do you do to yourself to <laughs> just be in, in the space that's like, I need to be absolutely deranged for the next two hours as I work on this? Uh, it seems like well, there are I a lot of ways to do like, that, and I just wonder to what a lot they of, are. Uh, previous examples, so like, listen to like horror movie soundtracks, um, different styles of that. Like, I'm a big I really like Stanley Kubrick um, and like The Shining is one of my favorite movies. So like that has a very, very unsettling soundtrack. But, um, you know, so I like to incorporate that real uneasiness of that. Um, 
but then blended with like more modern things with like big loud bangs and screeches and um um i yeah like it's to create the mood though usually i guess a good good sub bass (laughs) would be for for like an unsettling atmosphere and then just like pitchy things Mm. things like a like a brass that kind of like subtle uh, approaching like horror music and like working on because with the halloween episode they really wanted it to try and be scary like that was one where i was allowed to really kind of go all out and um what was i um god damn it just lost my train of thought um okay scary music Sorry, i'm having an absolute brain fart right now <laughs> it does you know i i've I've seen or seen I, I've read so much about this over the last 20 or 25 years when it comes to writing. And, you know, there are all these solutions that people have uh, that, that's like, I need my writing space to to be comfortable in this certain way. And I do my best. I feel like every <laughs> bit of it that uh, I have yeah. ever read is absolute bullshit. <laughs> I think it's a complete made up lie it, because never in my life mm. i mean there are a couple things that i want to avoid you know there's some some do not do things uh but you know building like this weird little nest of productivity i'm like no i don't think it it works that way and even if it did is it similar for the guy writing <laughs> yeah, children's books as it, it is for stephen is king you know if it, you went completely uh, down uh, like i'm going to be hate the notion like writing when i um, when I am in inspired, I, shit will never get done because at the end of the day, like there are producers and there are executives and there are people that are <laughs> paying for this project to be done. So you actually need to deliver something like you can, you can't just George Lucas it forever. Um, there's a artist yeah. that uh, probably another one of my biggest influences, um, is, and especially in his more recent stuff, um, in terms of horror, is um is a guy called Scott Walker. He was a pop artist in the sixties uh, with a band called the Walker Brothers, and they became really big in like the the mid nineteen to about nineteen sixty seven. And he went off and uh, down a very artistic path, and he only wanted to do his own thing. And then eventually, <clears throat> he started, he only released an album. Basically, like he never he was like pure artist in that he never wanted to like try and force anything. So one of his albums took like 10 years to write because of that. And it's like, and it's, yeah. So like, we can't all be like that. And especially for like, if you're not established or you're working for it, like, cause like people are just going to be like, okay, where's the, where's the music? Like we, we have a meeting scheduled on Friday and, um, we need to review it. And, um, but it's like, oh no, I'm not in the, I haven't been in the right headspace to do it. It's like, that's why you, it's kind of like you. Tr- I, I try to treat it like I mean, there's obviously going to be some amount of having a creative spirit and like you know having spontaneous like inspiration and oh like and just having this kind of like these great kind of artistic moments. But but also you kind of got to treat it like like you're getting up for a job. Like right, I'm clocking on. I'm going to put in some hours and then I'm going to go play Nintendo like afterwards. Like you kind of have to treat it like that because otherwise you just won't. <laughs> deliver anything so, yeah not everybody can be tool you can't just yeah, exactly put out yeah. an album every 15 years <laughs> well the last question is is really broadly applicable to 
anybody listening here. And we've talked for since the beginning about how important uh, the relationships are through all of this, even if somebody isn't working with you, being able to talk to them about your project and just commiserate with them is is hugely important. Uh, so what relationships have you made in your time as a musician and composer that, that you would consider to be the most valuable? Uh, how did how did they happen? And how do people just generally it's, find um, this? It's something this you kind of thing in their give, lives, like a direct answer, like, oh, well, you just need to do this. It's it's something that like you just have to kind of learn for yourself. Like I, I became friends with Cusack um, in high school. We just some we just had like a very same like style of. Well, we just found the same things funny, and we're into the same things. And it was literally just like I made a friend at school kind of thing, and like and then that's blossomed into like this. So um, there are <laughs> you. I think um, you do meet other people along the way, and. I think for one thing is to pers like personally to be dependable um and you know be able to deliver something that's good but not be a dick um be like it's 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 kind of simple yeah. <laughs> this is this is the exact did, advice we, we did yeah. a whole podcast on this <laughs> yeah. just in december yeah. in december we were yeah. like do what you're the, the, you say you're like, going to do golden, do it on time and don't be an asshole about it. Yeah. like that I mean, is 95% of but making like, it but especially in like in a creative industry like you can you can be like the next beethoven but if you're an absolute if you're like super pretentious or you're like a, just an arsehole or like, you know, it'll, it'll be done when it's done kind of thing, like I, you won't find much work because there's going to be someone else out there that can be almost as good as you, but is very as likable and delivers stuff on time. Um, I, yeah. So that they're kind of the golden rules. And it's like, it's not like you have to really like make a show and dance of like, oh, look, see, it's on time. Like, it's just, it's literally just like, okay. Um, we need this by Friday or like a lot of time, especially working in on TV and, and cartoons and whatnot, you know, like I said, I've worked to animatics and then the final animation will come in or like Cusack will be in the, in the studio doing the final sound mix, like ready to be sent off to Adult Swim. And it's like, shit, only now last minute, I realized that there's got to be a musical moment right here. And I'll get a call and be like, look, Sorry, but like, and I'll be, you know, having dinner with my wife and it's like, we need this, like, really sorry, but we really need something here and could we have it? We need it by tomorrow and just be like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Like put in the work and just be like, okay, I've done it. And like those, those kind of things can just, I feel like can go a long way. Like it just kind of, it's like, it just leaves the favorable impression and like where you know the i've made friends with the the sound designer of the show now and like i've worked with him on a few things now and like he's told me now that he does he does a lot of work for like some like networks and stuff in australia and he's like started recommending me for like if he's working on a docu-series or something he'd be like oh i know this composer and it's like it's literally just because i'm like friendly with the guy and i deliver like oh can we we need this done i'm like wow. okay i'll yeah i'll do it like yeah you kind of like if you see an opportunity to kind of go like and, and and that can apply again like when you're in university or like you know you're doing like the learning the engineering side of things you can you can meet people that just are on your page and that have that same desire or have been bitten by the same bug as you have and um 
you know, you have a good experience like doing a project together. And like, I don't know, people remember that. Like, I remember that. And like, I'm getting to a stage now where I'm getting a few jobs and where I'm literally not going to have time to do everything. So I'm like going to start outsourcing. Like, I might need a second composer to help me with some of this stuff. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll reach out to my friend who I know is a good composer and like, who I just like. Like, I'm more likely to go for that than to like try and find who's the, you know, like, I'll think back to like someone I met at, uni and just be like oh, i remember him he was a good guy like i oh, might see what he's up to maybe he'd be interested like i feel like that's like 99 percent of the industry it's like you get you, you manage to get an yeah. opportunity and you just like seize it and you be nice about it and you just be friendly like and it's yeah <laughs> it's it sounds it sounds really simple but it's yeah it's, <laughs> yeah actually do the work it sounds yeah. simple, but it's amazing how many people don't follow that advice. It's like, why don't I get opportunities? And that person does. Well, that person is doing and all yeah. the work to get those opportunities. <laughs> and when you're not doing anything, why would anybody give you opportunities? You have to do the work to be asked yeah. for, and like for if, somebody else to ask you to do work. You have to be ready for like- You have to, to be a person sometimes. who does like work. Even working on like, uh, you know, this, this show is like the best show to ever work on. And like, there are times where I'm like, God, like I'm struggling. Like it's, and like I really don't feel like doing it today. Like it's a lot that happens like all the time. But like you just have to, you just remind yourself of what you're doing and like, or what you're, where you want to be. And um, I don't know, you just kind of get through those things. Yeah. Well, and that's what having a job is. I mean, when I was waking up at six o'clock in the morning to go <laughs> crawl around crawl spaces in like freezing weather yeah. to sling oh, yeah, radiant yeah. heat tubing, I didn't want to do that at all. I did not want to do that. I can assure yeah, it you, sound like that it. was not fun. But, you know, I had to. <laughs> yeah, that was my job. I had to get paid. I had to make money. I had to get up and drag my butt out of bed and, uh, you know, put on my <laughs> my uh, Carhartt onesie. <laughs> and, like, you know, <laughs> fight with the basement spiders and uh, grind nails out of subfloor and have like the like multi-metal burn my skin <laughs> sometimes you just have to do that <laughs> yeah yeah um i think that was great advice uh definitely to wrap up on and something that yeah we talk about this stuff all the time and i hope that it's you know getting through definitely to people because it comes back over and over and over again you get the jobs uh, because you say yes when people ask you to do stuff and you do it on time and you do it yeah, without how, being a jerk. How far that and goes. it's fascinating and like, how well and how yeah, long because that, you don't, that goes. And even if it's you think it's a minor <laughs> job, like I've far. done little like side jobs where I only got paid like, you know, a couple hundred bucks or something to do a little thing or I might do a favor for a mate or something, but like you've no like you just have no idea where these things will go. Like I had no idea I'd be sitting here talking to you guys. Like <laughs> like being asked about what I do. Like, I just feel like I'm just, you know, like Cusack and Zach are the, like, they're the architects. They're the grand designers. Like, I'm just the guy that fucking hooked up the electricity, you know, like, a, that's why, like these things, you just never know where these things are going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we all need electricity. Smiling Friends needs music. So does <laughs> YOLO, Crystal Adventures and Bushworld Adventure. Yellow Crystal Fantasy, Bushworld Adventures, all this stuff is better because of the work that you do. So I hope that everybody, if you haven't checked out these works, Absolutely. check them out, especially Smiling Friends, since uh, we're on the Smiling Friends kick right now and we'll have Zach 
and and Michael on next week. But I also want to plug something that I learned about just today, <laughs> yes. and that's Super Smiles Good Time. Super Smiles Good Time EP is available on Spotify and and I imagine any place else <laughs> where chaotic, psychotic, purposefully yeah, yeah. crazy, terrible music is available. <laughs> is that right? Uh, so- SoundCloud, exactly. Check out check out the SoundCloud. Super Smiles Good Time EP. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure and great work on all of the uh, stuff you that so you're much. doing. I'm a huge fan of all of these shows and obviously you're a major contribution yeah. to all of them. And, uh, and, uh, and, it, and it was great. It was great learning about how you do what you do because it's yeah. definitely a mystery. I think to literally everybody, yeah. like no one really understands yes. yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm how happy to that be sausage is made. Only the music people get that. like, That's I'm, it. Yeah. Right. We're happy to pass on whatever wisdom I've gained. Like some, yeah, I'm very flattered you guys reached out and I'm, you know, happy to, to be doing this kind of thing. And I'm, gl- I'm happy that people are enjoying it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I've already watched Smiling Friends in its entirety twice. I'm going to make it. I don't know. We'll see if I can get to five times by next, the time next Tuesday rolls around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely join us next Tuesday when we have uh, Zach and Michael on. Uh, until then, you have to make sure that you watch all of Smiling Friends. If you haven't, it's on Adult yes. Swim right now. And uh, if you are an HBO Max person, you have to wait until February. But yeah, try to watch it before next week. Uh, we are out of here. Until then, though, thank you. thank you again, Brendan, for joining us. We'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% goes directly to keeping episodes going every week. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every month. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mafasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria, Marco, Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus and Trev's Dead, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, Monahem, Dojangles, and Zero. Again, you are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster and producer Dan Yosua. And thanks to Baseweight for use of the Created in the Unknown song for our opening theme, and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.